0: Augmented reveals the stories behind a new era of industrial operations where technology will restore the agility of frontline workers. In episode 21 of the podcast, the topic is the future of digital in manufacturing. Our guest is Shalayan Arkan, VP of manufacturing industry at Microsoft. In this conversation we talk about where manufacturing has been in the past, why manufacturing has been lacking a sense of urgency in the sense of Industry 4.0, but how everything we know about manufacturing has changed. We also discuss workforce transformation, democratizing operational technology and the future of industrial innovation. Augmented is a podcast for leaders, hosted by futurist Trond Arne Undheim, presented by tulip.co the frontline operations platform and associated with mfg.works the manufacturing upskilling community launched at the world economic forum each episode dives deep into a contemporary topic of concern across the industry and airs at 9 a.m u.s eastern time every wednesday augmented the industry 4.0 podcast Shalayan, how are you today?
1: I am very well. Great to be here. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So I am. Uh, I am alerted to the fact that you are an outdoor person. I wanted to cover that just because a technology discussion in manufacturing is not complete without a little bit of personality. And I, you know, I think we. Sh- you said you were a backcountry skier. I was curious about this.
1: I am skiing is my passion. One of them. But probably the the one that makes me happiest, uh, the one that I love the most, and and I I like ski touring, and I like skiing the back country, the the all the off beast. I like the climbing, the physical. I'm a very physical person. And huh. uh, on a similar note, I also am a cyclist. I'm a sailor, a windsurfer. You know, just love being out, and uh, I love the wind on my face.
0: So you know, at one some point in the future when the pandemic is, is over and behind us, I think my next uh, podcast with you, we, we will simply go for a, a hike. Well, let's do that.
1: But, but doing it with me has the following um, potential downside for you. The other piece of my out, outdoors work or, or kind of world, if you will, is that I love miserable weather. I'm a winter person. I love my rain, my cold, my wind. (laughs) And people typically, even even if they categorize themselves as outsider, like outdoor people, they will just love fair weather. I don't. I'm not that person. I don't like sun on my face. I don't like a lot of people uh, out. I like trails to myself. I like mountains to myself. (laughs) So So, yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) if you're up for it, we'll do it together.
0: Well, this is probably something you didn't realize, but I grew up in Norway and there are no people and it's, uh, you know, we have plenty of bad weather. So uh, admittedly, I don't live in Norway, so that could give you a clue, (laughs) but... (laughs) There is right. something there.
1: All right, we're on. Um,
0: right. Yeah, we're on. Okay, so having settled that, um, I wanted to ask you this question. So, you know, we're going to talk about uh, I guess the future and uh, the current state, present state of manufacturing, but where has manufacturing been in the past? And by the way, when you think past, h- how far do you go back? I mean, is this just pre-COVID or because no. I I've, I've heard you talk a little bit about the, the you know, manufacturing traditionally and I want you to just give us a quick sense of where you think the industry was? Just a few. You
1: know, uh, you, start, moments you started ago. personally. Let me personalize manufacturing for me. I am an industrial engineer uh, with an MBA, and so my whole education um, was um, like in in plants, and, you know, like in the in the manufacturing environment, and uh, you know, I studied uh, from operations research to metallurgical engineering to electrical engineering to construction to um, to uh, to electrical, you just name it, and um, and um, uh, you know, uh, so so that has been something that I really really like the systems thinking, the optimization. I've done a lot in OR um, back in the day, linear um, um, uh, and and multiple. Like you know, so maybe too much detail for now. But but where was manufacturing? Manufacturing has been. Um, mostly manual, uh, siloed, um, with a with a with a separation between information technology and the data estate that that brings to the table, and operations technology that that brings to the table. Uh, technology has, has never really been uh, from an, from a particularly from an IT standpoint as uh, top of mind. Digital transformation has uh, has not really been a sense of urgency in manufacturing because things worked. You had people at the shelf floor and uh, things were working until the pandemic hit. So pandemic question, slap on the face for manufacturers. Business continuity, none. You can't send people to the shelf floor. You cannot operate. You don't see your inventory. You can't see your suppliers. You don't even know whether they're surviving or not. Financially or otherwise, so it was a huge, huge, huge problem. And but uh, the silver lining of all of this is uh, now there's acceleration in terms of transformational manufacturing. Look, why is manufacturing important? Let's let's spend a minute on that. Manufacturing, unlike many other industries, and I kind of make fun of my peer kind of industry leaders at Microsoft as well. Manufacturing is very real. Manufacturing creates employment. Manufacturing. Creates growth, um, um, builds economy, like right? builds capacity. Manufacturing is about innovation. Manufacturing is about competitiveness. So it is it is core to populations, countries. It's core to politicians, to business leaders, and it's just it's just phenomenal. And so, if you do the if you do things right in manufacturing, things work, including like. Climate change and you know sustainability and a lot of other stuff. And if you th- do things wrong, actually you can you can um, you can see a lot of damage done. You know it collapses economies, it collapses grids, and you know uh, you know stops and creates a lot of disruption. So uh, it is very real. And so I'm, I'm I'm sorry I'm providing a long answer, but you can tell I'm passionate about it. It's very personal for me. Uh, but by and large, I'm actually excited where we are. We are at an inflection point and we'll see a lot of uh, acceleration coming out of the, uh, the, the pandemic, the, uh, the, uh, the crisis. And uh, stuff we're working on is actually ensure business continues to and resiliency. Those are the things uh, that, that are the conversations like going forward.
0: Charlie, and I wanted you took me in a in an interesting direction. I was just thinking as you were speaking. Right before we go to the in, the inflection, it's actually not just a little bit surprising, but actually quite surprising that there haven't been any reported massive disruptions due to the pandemic. Right? If you think about the, all of these mission critical systems that we have around the world in every manufacturing related industry, how do you Explain because you, as you were saying, you know, historically, and some of these silos are sort of still there, although, you know, obviously, uh, we, we are at this inflection point, so some have already transitioned. But how do you explain that we haven't had more horror stories? And by horror stories, I guess I mean, you know, operations completely collapsing or I guess grids falling apart or, you know, that one manual worker couldn't go in. So X happened that they had never, never thought about. Why haven't we heard anything like that? Are Um, those stories going to come out, do you think? Or did nothing seriously happen?
1: Well, it, it happened. I know for a fact because once this has started, I started calling down on my customers. Like, you know, how are you doing? What do you need? For one, I think that at the, at the kind of from a table stakes standpoint I mean, we've seen a massive teams, uh, teams deployment because people wanted to communicate. They, want, they wanted continuity in terms of uh, like being able to talk to one another, being able to um, uh, work and then work from home of course because they couldn't go to, um, uh, to their plants or to their offices. So was lot of there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of um, um, I'll say pain. There was a lot of disruption. I talked to some of my customers and they were like, billions of dollars are tied in inventory and we have no idea where that sits. Um, again you know they're con- disconnected from suppliers as well as their customers and so there was disruption but luckily we've had some um, some some leaders actually having maybe for- foreseen um, what is to come or you know, they were disruptors or at least early adapters and they have they have taken pre covid pre-crisis steps for uh, digital transformation and, and i love my examples and partnerships with Ericsson, who started work pre-COVID in terms of digital uh, manufacturing, Otokumpu, um, a leader in uh, steel manufacturing, uh, significant significant uh, progress, including during the, the pandemic. Airbus, uh, Unilever. I mean, those are like leading examples, only some of them. Um, but, you, you know, you look at the uh, World Economic Forum, Global Lighthouse Network. There are so many lighthouse factories that are that are just... You know, like literally lighthouses for people to look at and uh, look up to. That work started years ago. So, so there are some extremely, you know, encouraging examples. There's some like very, very dark stories in terms of like complete stoppage and, um, and uh, horror stories. But by and large, we are at a good place in terms of we understand the issues and we understand how to deal with them. And uh, I think most importantly, Time to value—that notion of uh, time to value—is accelerated in manufacturing. I mean, we're coming from prohibitively exa- expensive. I mean, we're we're talking like hundreds of millions of dollars of IT projects that never end, to now um, negligible cost and like ten, twelve weeks, a couple months. And then you stand up a digital factory capability. You have visibility into your supply chain by standing up a control tower. And then you, um, you know, in the case of Airbus, you can, um, or, or um, or Alstom, you can have your 2000 engineers still keep doing design engineering work from home. You know, examples go on, but, um, I, you, you know, um, it is a, it is a, we understand. The issues we have very quick um, uh, ability to uh, uh, to build capability to um, to show that you know stuff works and uh, you can you can operate remotely etc etc but yeah so um,
0: but would you say that this is a the definite end to I guess what you were alluding to is kind of this pilot purgatory is it the is COVID a definite end to pilot purgatory or is it just that this particular situation was so serious that everybody kind of scrambled and and most of them got it right, or would you say that i I guess possibly because once you have made this transition you know that that that's the that is the hard work uh, do you think that um, these pilots that were all, everyone was waiting for uh, will that problem disappear? Because you have, people have learned that you know this is not the way to introduce technology. A, you sort of learned it the hard way.
1: Oh, well, my view is if you take a step back, Trond, um, th- here's, here's how I see it. A hundred years ago, we were by and large an agricultural society. Today, uh, and, and we had like 50% of the workforce in, in agriculture, right? Today... We are by and large an industrial society and we have like 2% of the workforce in agriculture and we're, we brought everyone along in terms of the industrial age. Today, we are at the next junction. Some call it industry 4.0, some call it other names, but we are as a society, as hum- like humanity, we're moving from industrial to digital. Okay, so that's the higher order. Now... What is that pandemic, what, what's the role of the pandemic in this? I think it's, it's that of acceleration. So in any major shift, there are, there are behaviors and categories of, um, of, of actors or players. There are the disruptors. There are, the, there, there are those who go and make a market, build a trend. And um, uh, we have seen those and we're still seeing them. Uh, there are the early adopters. We talked about some of them as well. And there's, then there's going to be the slower adapters and the laggards. And then some of the laggards will not see the light of day or will not maybe exist in the, um, you know, after um, after we, we, we kind of transition to, to the new new reality, new realm, or that, that notion of like digital society. So 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 what I'm saying, I guess, is it was going to happen. Those pilots are... People's way of like some some like slow adapters' way of like touching it, like you know, putting their toes in the water. Uh, for some, it's like proving value and acceleration. Pandemic again, you know, with that kind of disruption, is going to accelerate and uh, you know bring bring more to the table. Uh, but, you know, it certainly has a role to play. But the higher level order is we were moving to a, a to a very, very different reality for manufacturers and supply chains and, and, and even uh, as a society.
0: Super interesting. Um, Shalia, and I've heard you talk earlier, and I guess we talked a little in the prep about, you know, whether this is a different wave of technology, because... I know you have some views on sort of the democratization of, of of basically operational technology because there are different waves of of technology in manufacturing, and you know traditionally, like you said, the industry has been siloed, but one of the reasons the industry was siloed is that the technology then also turned into silos uh, arguably and uh, what is it about the technology these days? Is it getting simpler? Are are you, for instance, in Microsoft, spending more time on user interfaces than you were before? Or uh, I guess even even the introduction of your company so deeply into manufacturing is in and of itself a bit of a novelty, right? That uh, uh, that tech players that weren't specialists are now going deep, deep into industry segments give you a, a sense of how, how wh- why this is happening and what exactly is this democratization that's that that's gardner calls it citizen developers
1: yeah that's there's, there's that's one aspect of it the way i see it is very shortly technology now works <laughs> you know like i mean honestly i i don't know yeah. like five years ago it just yeah. didn't, you know, like it was so hard to, um, you know, for implementations, for integration, etc. It now works. I mean, there's virtually nothing technology cannot deliver today. It's up to the leader, leader's vision, leader's ability to execute. And, you know, magic happens. There's so much at play right now. That's one. Secondly, technology is the business right now. I mean, technology was in, it, it was isolated. You will remember those days, not too distant past. Like we had our own language. The CIO was, it's like they, 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 you know, they were like from Mars uh, in the organization, and they were not, they were not mainstream in as an executive in the company. You know, company did their work, and CIO did that stuff that nobody, nobody really understood. Now, technology is the business. I mean, you look at any research you will see that the mainstream business leader, whether it's the CMO, the chief marketing officer, chief digital officer, chief finance officer, whoever those may be, they're making more technology decisions and have bigger technology budgets than uh, than the technology people themselves. So so, so that's the other piece that business is technology, technology is business. The third piece is that the siloed nature of not only manufacturing so many different uh, industries, was because it was an application-led view into, um, into um, enterprises or into business. Now it's a data-driven work. And, and so data dictates everything, and data is actually end-to-end. So to the extent that you have a data architecture, enterprise-level data architecture, and a system-level approach to things, um, it's, a, it's a completely different world. And, uh, and, you know, bring those three together as a business. There's, you have to forget more than you remember. And then you have to reinvent yourself. And as you do that, you know, everybody knows the cliche uh, examples here, but then you find yourself as a completely different company or a services company or a, uh, or actually at the, at the risk of being disrupted or um uh, or, or, you know, uh, by, by competition and like in ways that were not um, thought of or unprecedented. So, um, so uh, that's what's happening. So what we like to approach this whole kind of, I, I like to call this opportunity. It's a major opportunity. It's a huge inflection point. Um, it's, 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 it's all about reinventing your business it not none of that is about technology technology is a tool It's a powerful tool is a tool that works it's very capable but it's about the business outcomes because we said you have to reinvent your entire enterprise your culture starting from your culture how you operate your value proposition all of that um it is you know where you start should be dictated by which outcome is most important for you or the highest value for you or the most burning uh, for you. Um, by what, whatever your, your drivers are, focus on the outcome, go back to where to find the relevant data for it and get to that in weeks, literally, seriously, in weeks and get to the next outcome, the next outcome. And don't forget the people and culture. It's all about the, the people piece. And we can talk about that later. I think we should. Um, but but that, the, that, those are the things that I will say to your technology question.
0: Position that's that that's as a great.
1: Focus on data, uh, lead with culture, and, uh, and always, um, the, you know, um, uh, major prioritizations on the outcomes you want to drive. Uh,
0: you said lead with culture. Um... But it's not just company culture, I guess. It's the, the, the whole nature of the skills that are now needed in this new workplace. A lot of people are saying that, that that is changing and that the workforce needs are changing. So you initially said, well, technology now works. So that's true. But what are the skills that, that then are needed? So, okay, technology is easier. Uh, but what are some of the tasks that are, I guess, less relevant because of this influx of quality industry four type technologies? And what are some of the skills that are more relevant? And what you know, the worker, the frontline worker of the future, what should they be focused on? And and what do your clients, what are they starting to teach their their workforce?
1: Great question. Um, I will say at the highest level, Trond. Um it is a it is a data driven culture i mean in manufacturing maybe other businesses and industries as well we we kind of operate on the basis of past successes habits this has been uh, delivering for me this has been uh, working for me etc um or you know ex- experience you know like you know, you, you kind of listen to stuff, you kind of watch stuff, you anticipate stuff, and you, you're like, hey, "I've been doing this for 25 years." None of this has anything to do with data, because again, we established that we were using less than one percent of our data, at least not, at least in manufacturing. Now, the, the biggest culture change is data driven, and then and then once you once you um, go to uh, data telling you what to do, data giving you predictions, data giving you uh, systems of intelligence, like the insights uh, in terms of you know, what to do and when to do it and how to do it, etc. Uh, then, then that dictates actually two things. Uh, again, I'm, I'm trying to stay at like come down to it from a, in terms of a hierarchy. Manufacturing had a skills gap, has a bigger skills gap in the face of digital. All right, and we're not an attractive industry. The young generation does not see career opportunities in manufacturing. Actually, manufacturing is fantastic. It's again, it's real. It's it's innovative. It's you know. So uh, so we have to change that, and so we're working on it. And secondly, um, the existing jobs, even if they may still be the the most important jobs in manufacturing, they those people have to learn new skills in terms of. Do it, doing it, doing their jobs using technology. Let's, let's, let's see a couple of examples, right? Um, you, you talked about the frontline workers, first-line workers or your shop floor, like the real, the, the, the very people who get the job done, right? They typically did not use any technology. They were all mostly manual, what we called HMI, like human machine interfaces, old, you know, like very, very, um, you know, um, Kind of um, antique equipment, if if you will, blue screens, and you know, you, you, I think I think if anyone who's close to manufacturing will know that use a lot of paper, etc. The 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 today's frontline worker is actually acting on data, acting on predictions, double clicking on the, the the modern interface, and uh, you know, responding to traffic lights, responding to alerts. You got to be able to do those, right? Uh, wearing, you know, like augmented or virtual reality uh, uh, devices. Uh, We call it mixed reality with with the unique technology that we have in in terms of HoloLens and our our entire mixed reality platform. But you come to a job and then you don't need to learn to do the job. You just wear your HoloLens and the mixed reality platform will actually teach you, like, you know, how to do it with your two hands free if you're in the field service you know, someone at the back office with through uh, remote connections and remote assist capabilities can actually guide you through as to how to deal with that. I don't know, grid asset or, uh, or, um, or um, um, you know, extruder or, uh, or packaging line. Um, because, because they know how to and you don't need to. And then this is the way, uh, you know, you, you learn how to do stuff. So I guess the gist of it is, um, some jobs will no longer exist. You know, most of the repetitive, low-valued jobs can be automated, robots, uh, you know, uh, artificial intelligence, and other other means in terms of uh, process automation, etc. Uh, most of the jobs, if not all of the jobs, will be uh, reskilled in terms of technology, and um, and then the the highest level at the highest level, probably. Um, 75 million jobs will go away again. This is a this is a World Economic Forum study. 135 million new jobs will be created. What are those jobs? Data jobs, digital jobs, software jobs, and then uh, and then uh, you know how you do your uh, like design and engineering. You have to be able to understand AI, alternative design, additive manufacturing, 3D printing to be able to you know successful. Um, and so all of that. Is a call to action for universities, policymakers, cor- corporate learning office officers for all of us, um, and um, and uh, you know calls for partnerships to to to, to lean in and uh, and again I used agriculture example bring everyone along from the industrial age to the digital age
0: it 's a fascinating challenge and it 's a big one. I was just curious there 's a lot of talk about middle jobs, meaning you know jobs that are somewhere between more than high school but less than traditional college uh, but then you also have a, an echelon above that, of course, which traditionally certainly Microsoft was hiring into, which is more high level cognitive jobs obviously with the, which required kind of Bachelors and and masters and PhDs in traditionally in computer programming, but I'm guessing now certainly in your field, in sort of hybrid engineering studies where engineering plus IT, um, the middle jobs is a is a big challenge. Even just from an operational point of view, it's hard to educate a billion people worldwide or whatever it is that we have to continuously keep you know to keep the lights run you know lights uh, 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 up how is how is all that going to happen and sort of what sort of effort does this require is it, i mean can we use the existing institutions we have to do this or do you foresee that um it's going to be a lot more sort of like on the job type of training and digital
1: all of training? the above. i'll say all of the about in the following way for one we're already working with like Purdue University of Wisconsin and many, many universities and education institutions. So for, for one, manufacturing related jobs were kind of graduate jobs. We're trying to bring that to uh, the, the curriculum to undergrad, if not high school, right? So, so, so there's that. So vocational training, et cetera, all of this is important. Secondly, we partner with like the National Association of Manufacturing in the U.S. MXT, SESME, um, obviously, Tulip and many others in terms of, you know, um, call to action and doing institutionalize it, programatize it, at, you know, uh, very, very important for all of that. Thirdly, uh, I talk, deliberately talked about corporate learning officers because, uh, because a lot of people, tens if not hundreds of thousands of people in large corporations actually had to learn new skills and, and it is happening as we speak in, in multiple ways in many, many, uh, many, many leading enterprises. But it's a huge part of um, uh, of the um, of the whole equation. And then the uh, you know I talked about World Economic Forum and the Global Lighthouse Network. You know programs like that actually bring it bring it to everyone's attention in terms of uh, you know what is possible and how how it works and how some of leading institutions deal with it. Now, which brings me to this notion of what I like to call Arto Possible. I think leadership at large, political leaders, enterprise leaders, uh, you know, any institution, education, like leadership at large, has to understand what I call the Arto Possible. And that is how technology has already transformed everyone's lives and what is it that for leaders to to do differently, starting from communication, setting new standards, to building the new curriculum, to encouraging everyone, bringing everyone along, and, and, and all the rest of it from culture change to change management and, uh, you know, um, kind of defining the new normal. But, but by and large, it's like bringing everyone along. And um, and um, so so that is that is really, really important that we start that education and understanding with the leadership, because it's all about leadership. It's all about them having the right vision and being able to execute to that. Hmm.
0: What is the role of of actors such as startups? You mentioned Tulip. Uh, you know, what, what are startups' role in the emerging, uh, manufacturing and sort of frontline operations ecosystem, you know, Tulip thinks of itself a little wider than than manufacturing. But w- what is it that startups can do? Because clearly, this is a game, technology overall, and also industries, right? It's a <sighs> industrial game. It's I mean industrial companies are massive traditionally, so. Uh, the juxtaposition traditionally in the old world would be between the industrial conglomerates and then the SMEs. And the game was to get the SMEs to be useful providers and suppliers into the supply chain ecosystem was an educational challenge. But you now have startups somewhere in this picture as well. Can you address how you think these startups function in the ecosystem going forward?
1: Yeah, I think the, the example that, that I would use is um, startups are like Tesla for automotive, Air, Airbnb for hospitality. They're the disruptors. They, they, they have zero legacy. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're talking major change, major transformation. What happens in change? Lots of the legacy will drag their feet. You know, they will want to protect status quo. They'll be, they'll be slower. What startups do is they teach you the new normal. They teach you art to possible, and they go out and do it. This is how you carry from, like, years of implementation time to weeks. This is how you go from hundreds of millions of dollars to uh, uh, pennies and cents. And so uh, uh, Tulip and many, many others that I'm so excited to work together with, they define the new normal. They make it happen. They go and make stuff and then and actually they are the ones who bring that what i call auto possible to life like t- let's take tulips example um again they go into the shop floor and they look at that local, no code citizen developers that you know a, a term that you used uh in this very conversation and then they they bring it to life in the context of uh, manufacturing operations and so uh, suddenly the the human machine interfaces are modernized uh, the legacy heavy applications that do not, you know, uh, necessarily connect the enterprise has changed, and there's a there's a new workflow in place, and people just act on data and intelligence. Uh, the 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 job is much easier to do, etc. And then you can build on it. And so, um, so they're they what they do is just extremely important. Actually, much bigger than their their sizes or the number of people that it, they employ the role that they play is actually is going to change economies. And this is one reason why we embrace and work very, very closely with um, with the likes of Tulip at Microsoft through multiple, multiple uh, um, uh, tools and investments that we have uh, from Microsoft for startups to M12 and to many others.
0: Yes, I understand. That's That's fantastic. Uh, however, it does remain the case that right now you are a gorilla in, you know, in, in, in the big space and you do have a privileged position to analyze what you think is happening. So if you, if you use that sort of futurist hat, uh, that you have from your vantage point of a, you know, large player that does work with everyone, I guess, where is this now heading? You said this, it's a disruptive time. It's an inflection point. You were using, I guess, big sort of revolutionary words. You know, we're, we're talking about industry revolutions. Um, there's also some uncertainty, and we have been dealing with resilience issues. Um, but you pointed out, you know, simplicity has improved. Where is all this taking us? all of these bits and pieces all together, where is the manufacturing industry heading?
1: Uh, manufacturing is very complex, and it's actually not one industry, right? It, it's, a, you know, uh, so many industries are manufacturers. So let's kind of break it down and simplify it to maybe, you know, customer-facing systems, sales, services, etc., Design and engineering, making stuff, which is really manufacturing, supply chains, um, um, and then and then maybe uh, look at people. So, uh, in the um, in the customer systems, particularly, pandemic taught us that online sales and delivery, omni-channel strategies, um, the, a profit optimization, pricing, contact lifecycle management, all of that is here to stay. Connected field services or field services at large is going to be. Changed forever. Again, we talked about mixed reality, remote, uh, you know, assistant remote capabilities, all of that. So, so that is, uh, that is where, where that is headed. In terms of the design and engineering piece, we talked about AI led generative design, where AI engines actually design stuff like modern nature. They don't have corners, they're not straight lines. Uh, so, the existing manufacturing paradigms so like welding and bending and et cetera, they can go away and 3D printing actually is very revolutionary in that it's the only way to actually make the stuff that is that is uh, uh, designed by ai AI engines, which is faster, stronger, lighter, cheaper etc. but again, you can only um, 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 uh, build them with the new new 3D or additive paradigms. And so, so there's that, uh, and obviously from a design and engineering, that whole design supply chain is moving to a virtual environment so that you do not have to send, you know, like designs and paper when it comes to like, you, you look at Boeing, they have like 6 million, um, suppliers. So, uh, you look at Rolls Royce, the same deal. And then what, what they do now is they send, um, uh, uh, Electronic drawings, you can validate, you can verify, you know, the source is correct, the, you know, then, then you can just keep building in the virtual environment. Then you can run simulations and tests. I mean, I can go on and on, but that is completely disrupted and changed forever. The manufacturing, as we know it, is moving to, some call it, uh, lights out manufacturing. Uh, but this whole remote capability, this, this you know, being able to uh, like business continuity without the people at the shop floor, being able to, you know, uh, remotely operate, you know, ma- manage and like monitor your assets, get predictions on them, manage, actually have predictions, uh, visibility into your suppliers and be connected to their environment. Uh, digital twins and digital threads are actually, um, you know, uh, huge enablers from that. Uh, from that perspective, so um, so this this whole kind of lights out manufacturing uh, um, conversation can happen again. Technology is capable of delivering it. Uh, you have to optimize or rationalize for your own uh, enterprise supply chains, completely moving to uh, to an autonomous and, and sustainable uh, fashion. And then finally, at the highest level, what we're seeing the, the, the perhaps the largest opportunity is m- go from your Even your own enterprise was siloed, let alone your enterprise go and reinvent the whole value chain that you operate in. We kind of tend to think about um, kind of industries, but actually... Value chains are made up of multiple adjacent industries. Look at food; it starts with perhaps the farmer, but the uh, farm equipment manufacturer, the likes of John Deere, Class, Mahindra, etc., do play a huge role. There's a lot of data there. Then you um, then then you look at um, uh, warehouses. Then you look at mills and processors and packagers and shippers, and then all you go all the way to retail. I talked about seven different industries. The the the, the notion of I call it lead with opportunity as opposed to leading with risk, share your data for the greater good new value creation at the value chain level. we haven't even begun starting uh you know the, the, that journey really um and so um just some of the examples of how everything we know uh, you know we, we know it is is already disrupted again. Do all the leaders know? Do all the leaders know how to deal with it, or where to take their enterprises, their people, their cultures, uh, their businesses? Um, um, and so that's that's kind of the conversation.
0: Indeed, it is disruption at the value chain level that that seems to be to be at the core. And and then I guess my my last question for you really is to take this back to the human being because i know you 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 think that fundamentally this is not really about the technologies or even just the various industries at the ce- you know at the center and 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 maintaining and constructing is is the human being the augmented human capabilities that these new structures and technologies enable wh- what does that look like i mean if you think augmented reality and mixed reality hololens is like a Beginning of that vision, but it seems like uh, we're arguably going from, you know, a, a day where it, it was the idea was sort of automate. But y- you have a, a vision of of more augmenting, meaning you're su- you're supplementing the human as opposed to replacing them. How do you see the human being in this picture? What What is going to be the role of the human worker?
1: Well, we, we, I mean, there's it's going to be a combination of vision and, and maybe aspiration. But I'll say augmented society to, uh, first because diversity and inclusion, right? Let's start there. Let's bring everyone along. Let's not leave one person behind, wherever they may be, whatever background. And, you know, like, let's bring everyone along and as a society let's elevate everyone let's let's make everything accessible technology and data and education and health and water and safe food you know uh, all of that uh, uh, you know accessible to, to to everyone the new set of paradigms actually create might create value at, at such a level in which we can give people more free time more fulfillment uh, provide better work-life balance, provide other means of, um, you know, seeking, uh, reason and, uh, and purpose in life, um, and, uh, and communicate and, uh, work together at very, very different levels. And so all of that is just, um, again, um, I, I think this all kind of leader, art of possible and what technology is capable of today. If we kind of put the people in, in the front, uh, in in the center and um and go from that go from there i think we can see um we can we can remember these days as uh, as some of the best kind of inflection points in history
0: wow that's a great way to end i thank you so much this was a uh, a whirlwind of uh, of observations <laughs> i thank you very much thank you You have just listened to episode 21 of the Augmented Podcast with host Trondarne Unheim. The topic was the future of digital in manufacturing, and our guest was Shalayan Arkhan, VP of Manufacturing Industry at Microsoft. In this conversation, we talked about where manufacturing has been in the past, workforce transformation, democratizing operational technology, and the future of industrial innovation. My takeaway is that the future of digital in manufacturing is enormously impactful. Yet, even deep digitalization will not make workers obsolete. Rather, the challenge seems to be achieving a dramatic workforce transformation, which also entails empowerment, upskilling, and autonomy through augmentation of frontline operations. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, subscribe at AugmentedPodcast.co or in your preferred podcast player. View our YouTube channel and rate us with five stars. If you liked this episode, you might also like episode nine, the fourth industrial revolution post-COVID-19, episode four, a renaissance in manufacturing, or episode 20, the digitalization of Kerber. Augmented, upskilling the workforce for Industry 4.0 Frontline operations.